fires in this hour. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said amen, amen. and amen. If you'll open your Bibles to 1 Samuel chapter 5, please stand with me for the reading of God's holy word. Please stand in honor of God's holy word. Grace and joy to you, family. To our visitors, I want to welcome you to the New Beginnings Community Baptist Church. We are an expository teaching and preaching church, which just means we believe in preaching through the entire book of the Bible, books and chapters at a time, family, comma by comma, and line by line. And today we are exegetically walking through the book of 1 Samuel, so get on the Bible bus and join us today, amen? 1 Samuel chapter 5, verses 1 through 12. If you don't have a Bible, there should be one in your pew, or that good-looking person standing next to you won't mind if you look on with them. Then the Philistines took the ark of God and brought it from Ebenezer to Ashdod. And when the Philistines took the ark of God, they brought it into the temple of Dagon. And they set it by Dagon. And when the people of Ashdod arose early in the morning, there was Dagon falling on his face to the earth before the ark of the Lord. So they took Dagon and set it again in his place. And when they arose early in the next morning, there was Dagon again falling on his face to the ground before the ark of the Lord. And the head of Dagon and both the palms of his hands were broken off on the threshold. And only Dagon's torso was left of it. Therefore, neither the priest of Dagon nor anyone who, who come into Dagon's house tread on the threshold of Dagon in Ashdod to this day. But the hand of the Lord was heavy on the people of Ashdod, and he ravaged them and struck them with tumors, both Ashdod and its territory. And when the men of Ashdod saw how it was, they said, the ark of the God of Israel must not remain with us, for his hand is harsh toward us and Dagon our God. Therefore they sent and gathered to themselves all the lords of the Philistines and said, What shall we do with the ark of the God of Israel? And they answered, Let the ark of God of Israel be carried away to Gath. So they carried the ark of the God of Israel away. And so it was that after they had carried it away, that the hand of the Lord was against the city with a very great destruction. And he struck the men of the city, both small and great, and tumors broke out on them. Therefore, they sent the ark of God to Ekron. And so it was, that the ark, as the ark of God came to Ekron, that the Ekronites cried out, saying, They brought the ark of God of Israel to us to kill us and our people. That's the way you got to read it, y'all, okay? So they sent and gathered together all the lords of the Philistines and said, send away the ark of God of Israel and let it go back to his own place so that it does not kill us and our people. For there was a deadly destruction throughout all the city. The hand of God was very heavy there. And the men who did not die were stricken with the tumors and the cry of the city went up to heaven. And all God's people said, amen. amen. I want to tag this message today, when the Philistines meet Yahweh. When the Philistines meet Yahweh. Family, as we come to this narrative and we try to understand what God is doing, we first of all must identify that there is nobody like our God. He's all-powerful, he's almighty, and he is holy. And there are no other gods, little g, in the universe that can compare with the true and the living God. A big amen goes right there. 
we must always remember that there is only one true God in heaven and earth, family. And Yahweh is his name. He is God all by himself. And any other so-called deity is just a made-up God. And they cannot compare or compete with the true God of heaven and of earth. I'm going to serve uh, the Muslim notice today. Your God ain't real. The Jehovah's Witness, your God ain't real. The Mormons, come on, talk to me. Hire Krishnas. Buddhists, none of that. There's only one true God in heaven and earth. So y'all quit being afraid of them people. Their God does not exist. I'm going to tell you more as I go. God is God all by himself. Now, with that being said, this story is a story about God whooping his enemies and revealing himself to them that they might get to know him and to enter into covenant relationship with them. Three things we can learn from this text. Number one, we can learn from this narrative that God plans to reveal himself to all men. Two, we can learn from this narrative that God plans to revive his people. And number three, we can learn from this narrative that God plans to restore true worship once again in the earth. So let's begin our journey today, family, with a look at chapter five and see what's happening with the enemies of God. I have three quick points for you. I believe they're on the screen. Number one, we want to talk about the enemy's experiments. Amen. Number two, we want to look at the enemy's education. And then number three, we want to wrap up our time looking at the enemy's encounter. Can y'all read them with me? Number one. Number two. And number three. Amen. I pray that you will take notes and you will learn something from God's word today. Look at verse one and two with me under point one. The Bible says that then the Philistines took the ark of God and they brought it from Ebenezer to Ashdod. Let me catch those of you up to speed who weren't here last week. God's people carried the ark into battle and they got whooped. And the enemy took the ark of God. What is the ark of God? It was the size of a casket. And inside of the ark was Aaron's priest rod the bread or the manna, a bowl of manna, and the Ten Commandments. And on top of the ark, there were two um, angelic beings that faced toward each other, and that was called the mercy seat of God. The ark was a picture of heaven or the dwelling place of God. It was also uh, to remind the people of the presence of God. In the New Testament, we know it as a type of Christ. Are you with me here? And they would take the ark with them when they went into battle. But what happened in this case is that they had a a wicked and ungodly priesthood who did not believe any longer in Yahweh. And so God allowed them to get whooped by an enemy and for them to run for their lives and to lose the ark. He didn't allow it because he didn't love them. He allowed it to teach Israel a lesson, but also to introduce himself to the enemy. Y'all call up the speed now, amen? Okay, so when we see in verse 1, the Philistines capture the ark, and now they bring it to their own city. Verse number 2, when the Philistines took the ark of God, look what they did now. They brought it into the temple of Dagon and they set it by Dagon. Now y'all know that's loaded right there. 
Okay, so let me unpack it. Now, in this chapter, we see that the Philistines, again, have taken the ark of God from battle. They placed it now inside of their temple, and they brought it before their god, little g, which is called Dagon. Now, this is why they did it. They brought it as a trophy to Dagon regarding their victory over Israel. You know how you give praise to God for doing something? Okay, all right, all right. Maybe some of y'all don't. I don't know. But these Philistines, literally, they have no idea, Sarah, what they are doing in this experiment. They're testing God, and they have no frame of reference for what he will do to them. Tell your neighbor, they don't know no better. But there are several problems with this thinking. Can I give them to you? Number one, Yahweh, the self-existing God, will not be mocked by idols. Number two, no statue or self-made God will ever claim Yahweh as a trophy. The Philistines, number three, had no idea who Yahweh was and what he could and would do. And because of their ignorance, Reverend Brown, good to see you, they would come to know just how powerful our God is. I need the believers to help me through here. I'm feeling a little weak in my body, but come on, pray me through, all right? Listen, listen. The Philistines' God was named Dagon. He was a half man and a half fish. Ugly looking fella. You should Google him. Just put in Dagon, deity, amen. And go on and do it. I know y'all doing it right now anyway. Look at him. He's an ugly fella. But he was said to be the god of fertility. And they worshipped him as their creator and the ultimate source of their life. So when they brought the Ark of the Covenant, our Old Testament picture of Christ, and they placed him in their temple, they had no idea what they were doing. And what they did, yes, thank you, Lord, was to invite God, Yahweh, into their temple. Y'all in here now? And when they did this, it was only natural that Yahweh would destroy any idol that was erected and placed on the throne. Can I say some more? This text says that they placed him next to Dagon. They trying to contrast and compare. And when they did this, uh, Reverend Zunaga, they were thinking that Dagon was more powerful than Yahweh. And perhaps they did this because they just got the victory in battle over Israel. I don't know. Perhaps they, they did this experiment because they had some proven success in the last few battles. And if Dagon gave them power to conquer Israel, then maybe Dagon conquered Yahweh in their mind. Y'all in here now? So they decided to lay Israel's God at the feet of their God. Somebody should have told them, daughter Christian, that just because they won the battle don't mean they won the war. Somebody should have told them, Tate, that they had no idea that God was the one who gave them the victory. God, Israel's papa, allowed for his children to be defeated because it was something that God wanted Israel to know and something he wanted the Philistines to know. Can I say some more up here? Somebody should have told him that God was orchestrating these events for his own honor and glory. See, God's children never lose. When we do not be successful, it's because God has said you won't be successful. Didn't I tell you last week, God never loses a war. 
Are you in here now? He's God and there is none like him in the earth. Somebody should have told him, daughters, that, that this was a divine setup. And the setup now was in the house of the unbeliever. Can I open that thing for you? Listen, God literally allows for them to carry the ark into their temple. When in times past, he killed the wrong high priest for even touching the ark. And now he let the pagans carry him into their worship space. God allows for them to set up the ark next to their God. Why? Tell somebody he up to something. God allows for them to think that they're in control. God allows for them to set up the confrontation. Why? Because he's getting ready to move in Ashdod. God allows for them to think that they are in control only to reveal himself and his power in their temple. Can I give you the application? I know you're dying to find out how does this relate to me. We're here. Number one, this is a picture of the unbeliever who believes that their gods are bigger than Yahweh. This is exactly how they act and believe when it comes to the things of God. See, because God allows some of you to have a little success in life, you may be thinking that you got authority over God. And you can do whatever you want to do. Oh, I'm going to put my weight on it today. Listen, listen, where you are mistaken is that you have no idea that any success you may have in life has only been given to you because God has allowed you to have it. Some of us get a little education and just get stupid. Did that go together? It felt good. Some of us get a little money and start thinking we God. We forget who it is that wakes us up in the morning and who gives you life. Come on, talk to me. Some of us get a little house and a couple little cars, and now you ain't got time for God. Start worshiping Dagon. Are you with me here? And then you come to church every now and then and want to make God bow down to your God. is only allowing you to have some success so you can know who he truly is. I got a question for you. You want to hear? Is there anybody here today that knows that everything you've got you've gotten from the Lord? Come on, don't play with me now. I know you think you made that deal. I know you think you got that hookup. I know you think you wrote the grant. But is there anybody here that can say it's because of the law that I got my little education? Is there anybody here that can say it's because of the law that I am who I am? Is there anybody here that can testify about the goodness of the law? Come on, wave at me. Let me see you today. Is there anybody here that knows the Lord bless you with that job? With your family? With those kids, with those good looks, with good health, with peace of mind. It's the Lord. Is there anybody here that knows if it wasn't for the Lord on my side, I don't know where I'd be. Y'all hear me up in here. The Philistines had no idea. They thought it was Dagon that brought them some success. Well, that was their experiment, bringing Yahweh into their temple. Let's look at the education the enemies got. How I many you know God will educate you every now and then? Amen. I've been educated a lot of times by God. I got any help in here? <laughs> we call that the school of hard knocks. Amen. Verse 3, verse 3, are you in here? You got your Bibles open? Verse 3 says, 
And when the people of Ashdod arose early in the morning, there was Dagon. He had fallen on his face to the earth before the ark of the Lord. And so they took Dagon and they set it back up in his place again. Now you got to read this understanding that that never happened before. And when they arose early the next morning, there was Dagon again. <laughs> falling on his face to the ground before the ark of the Lord. And this time, y'all, somebody say this time. This time. The head was gone. And both palms or hands or arms were broken off. And they were sitting in the threshold of the temple. And only Dagon's torso, y'all know what the torso is, right? Was left. The half man and half fish. I almost say he'd been to a fish fry, but I didn't say that. I... When you come to this portion of the text, we see that God reveals who he is. And what his power is over Dagon. However, the people don't see in verse 3 that Yahweh is greater than Dagon. So though God knocks him down, they put the God, their God, back in place. Uh, you'll catch that one. And it takes them to return a second time. To finally see Dagon utterly destroyed before they could actually get a glimpse of the power of Yahweh and who is the true and living God. Now, notice this. Sister Trina, I see several things, daughter, that arrest me in this text. Number one, there must be a showdown between Yahweh and Dagon. Why? Because Dagon has been set up as the one who is more powerful than Yahweh. When they put that ark in front of Dagon, God had to knock it over. Okay, y'all didn't get that one. Here it comes. Yahweh will always remove idols from before his presence. Because no idol will ever be permitted to tower over the self-existing one. There is no man-made God on the planet that can set itself up against the only true and living God. Yahweh must destroy all idols because he will not share his throne with any man-made idols. Can I say some more? When we see this in the text, we got to ask this question, Tom. Why didn't he disintegrate Dagon? Why did he just leave the torso? Well, A.D. Wilson commenting on the text says this tape. He says, I believe Yahweh left the torso of Dagon as an invitation for the Philistines to destroy the rest of him. Because once you recognize who God is, you got to take your little God off the throne because you can't serve two masters. got to get rid of it. Secondly, a friend of my library said, they could see that the ark of God was more powerful than their idols. And as a result of this activity, Brother Gray, they could also see that their God had no power. And he was defeated. But they needed to have a desire to follow Yahweh. So he left the torso for them to get rid of it themselves. It was a conscious, or it would have been rather, a conscious choice to follow Yahweh by getting rid of Dagon. Y'all in here? Matthew Henry commenting with me in this text said this. I think you'll find this very interesting. He said, Pastor, when Christ, the true Ark of the Covenant, really enters the heart of a fallen man, which is where Satan dwells, he says, all idols will fall and they must fall. 
But it's up to that believer to get rid of the gods of the flesh. He says, and some of us have chosen to say, yes, Jesus, you are my God, but you want to keep, keep Dagon lying around. You might be saying, Pastor, I ain't no Dagon worshiper. Yeah, but money is second in your list of things that's important. Pleasing and satisfying your flesh. It's too important, more important than worshiping Yahweh. I can tell by the way some of y'all respond and worship that God ain't your only priority. I can tell by how many times you come to worship that God ain't your priority because it's been a few months and weeks since I've seen you. Can I put my weight on it? I can tell, Katie, that God ain't a lot of people's priority because you don't even bring a Bible to church. I can tell that God ain't your priority because you ain't been to Bible study since we started with the new book. That's because you keep Dagon lying around. Y'all in here? I can tell, I can tell, I can tell. You still mad about something because Dagon keep talking in your ear. They had a choice. They should have said, Yahweh, you're God. Get rid of Dagon. Isn't that something? Dagon was beheaded in his hands and was at the, the door of the temple. Huh. I saw something else in this text, and I'm through. I'll get off of it. Uh, 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 Reverend Kabui, I saw this, that. This is also a picture. The Philistines temple literally becomes a picture for us of where Satan dwells. And God always, somebody say always, always. enters into darkness and reveals his power over the satanic. Now that's shouting good news right there. You know Satan got to bow? In the presence of God? On the last day, every knee gonna bow. That's Lucifer's too. And everywhere that God's presence and power is felt, the devil gotta bow down. Some of y'all giving him too much authority. You allowing him to hang around. But if God has knocked him off the throne of your life, kick that fool out of your house. Y'all in here? Is there anybody here today that can remember how God overthrew the idols in your life? Come on, testify. Somebody need to see you. Can you remember how he conquered certain sins of the past? Can, can you remember, Garcia, how he cleaned up your life and took self off the throne? Can you remember how you used to worship stuff? But now you worship the true God of heaven and earth. Can you recall how other things were more important than God? And just like he did it then, can't he do it again today? So somebody needs to know, can't God help them get rid of the Dagons in their life? Isn't he able to cleanse the temple of our hearts? And destroy the little gods inside of us. Ain't the Lord all right? Good God Almighty. I'm glad today that God's got power over the dark things that want to hang around my house. Hey, I feel my help now. Thank you, Lord. Can I give you all of it? Well, I've talked to you about the enemy's experiment. I've talked to you about the enemy's education. Now let me open up the enemy's encounter. Are you in there? Look at verse 5. The text says, therefore, the priest, somebody say preacher, the preachers of Dagon, nor anyone who came into Dagon's house, tread 
on the threshold of Dagon in Ashdod to this day. In other words, they quit going to church there. You should circle that. But the hand of the Lord, look at that. But the hand of the Lord was heavy on the people of Ashdod. Why? That he's writing to let you know that though they quit going in there to worship him, something still didn't go right. And as a result, his hand was still heavy on them. So much so that he ravaged them. And he struck them with tumors. Both Ashdod and its territories. Let me open it. When the men of Ashdod, verse 7, saw how it was, they said, Brother Deacons, the ark of the God of Israel must not remain with us. His hand is harsh toward us and toward Dagon our God. Therefore, they sent and gathered themselves, all the lords of the Philistines, and said, What shall we do with the ark of the God of Israel? And they answered, Man, let the ark of God of Israel be carried away to Gath. That was their, their sister city. So they carried the ark of God of Israel away. Verse 9, And so it was, after they carried it away, that the hand of the Lord was against the city. You say, wait a minute, pastor. They're not going to the temple no more. But the hand of God is still with them. Notice they don't want God even though he revealed himself to them. So God keeps his hand of great destruction upon them. And he struck the men of the city both small and great. And so that tumors broke out on them. I'm almost through. Can y'all hang with me for a minute? Now notice when we come to these last four verses. We see that the Philistines, they have what is called, Sister Logan, as an encounter with God. What do you mean, Pastor? They're priests of Dagon and the people of Ashdod have now come into the awareness that Yahweh is more powerful than their Dagon. They've also refused to enter into the place where Dagon has been destroyed. Why? Because of the revelation of Yahweh. But they've also suffered physical illness. That is rather as evidence that the wrath of God is upon them. Can I say some more? Even though they've encountered these things, instead of repenting, tong tong, and drawing closer to seek God, they want to drive God out of their way. Isn't it alarming that within these verses, we see that the enemies of God wouldn't repent and turn to him, even though they saw his power over their gods. And instead of seeking God's mercy, they desire to get clear of the ark and get far away from him as possible. And that's just like today. When God has revealed himself to some people and demonstrated his power, many choose to still harden their hearts instead of turning to God. They flee and choose to incur the wrath of God. That don't make sense to me. But that's exactly what people do. God revealed himself and because he has killed the gods of their hearts, instead of turning to him, they get angry at him. And choose to have nothing to do with him. Some people that you and I both know are just like the Philistines. They try to put God, God as far away as possible from themselves instead of entering into a covenant relationship with him. The problem with this is, family, that they'll never get better. They'll always get worse. I discovered in this text, Reverend Wilson, that God chose to use calamity to get our attention. But when we fail to surrender, 
or turn our hardened hearts away from him, then our consequences for rejecting him must run their course. Can I say some more? Daughter Carrie, looking at the text, I also come to discover that God was still merciful even in his wrath. The tumors was just another sign. I'm going to kill you. But I'm going to let you live to have another opportunity to come back to me. Even in God's whoopings, he's merciful. Okay, y'all missed it. I remember when my mama used to beat me. I didn't say whoop, I said what? And she would be getting tired. Didn't I tell you not to? Hold still, boy. I said I'm going to whoop your... Get over here. Don't you run from me. <laughs> and she'd be whooping me, but then she would just all of a sudden stop. I knew it was more in her. Y'all didn't hear me. It was more in her. It was mercy, Brown. To show me her love. Y'all in here now? To get me to respond to what she was trying to teach me. Wow, God in many ways is just like mama. Whoops you for being in that crazy relationship you had no business being in. Then takes a break and whoops you some more because you knew better. And then whoops you some more because of the bad relationship you made. And then give you another opportunity when you know he got a lot more left in it. I can't make it no more plainer than that. They could have surrendered their lives, Sister Wilson, and entered into a covenant relationship with him. But they resisted and desired their own way. Well, here's the application. And I'm on my way down. Let the record reflect today that it's a tragedy for rejecting the true and the living God. Let the record reflect today that it's a tragedy for holding on to pagan idols who can't save you or redeem you. I ain't never seen a Mercedes being saved nobody. But yet you'll worship that car. I ain't never seen a job save nobody. But you'll worship that job. Y'all in here? I ain't never seen a relationship outside of God and you save somebody. But you'll bow down for the one you love. Somebody here today. It's running from Yahweh, trying to follow the Dagon of your life. You're running from Yahweh, trying to hold on to the fallen gods of the flesh. You like ghetto fame more than you do a relationship with God. I'm talking to all the addictive Facebookers in here. Oh, how I wish you would embrace a covenant relationship with our Father who loves you more than you'll ever know. The God encounter is there to reveal to you who God is. The God encounter is there to reveal to you that there is no future in serving the God of your flesh. The God encounter is there to bring you into a right relationship with Yahweh, the God of heaven and earth. As I close, verses 10 through 12 land the plane for us today. The text says that therefore they sent the ark of God to Ekron. And so it was as the ark of God came to Ekron, the Ekronites. Cried out saying, they brought the ark of God to us to kill us and our people. Now these was the cousins of the Ashdonians. 
And so they sent and regarded together all the lords of the Philistines. Again, they would have tribal leaders from every city. Gath, Ashdod, Akron, and the other, and those were the lords. And they called the meeting of the leaders and they say, don't send the ark to us. He killed y'all. Don't send him over here to kill us. <laughs> I love this story. And then they sent away the ark of the God of Israel and let it go back to his own place. Don't miss next week because it's going to be a juicy sermon. And they say, for there was a deadly destruction throughout all the city, and the hand of God was very heavy there. And look at verse 12. And the men who did not die were stricken with tumors, and the cry of the city went up to heaven. This, this tumor was like a plague that began to take off all the cities of the Philistines. Kind of like AIDS. Are y'all in here? Some people say that's a man-made disease. No, it ain't. It's a disease born because of the consequences of sin. God said you ought not enter into this type of sexual activity. And the direct result of that type of sexual activity gave birth to this disease. Are y'all listening to me? There is a consequence for rebelling against God. Can I talk to you? When God has chosen to reveal himself to you and removes the idols out of your heart, and you decide you're going to disobey God, then the consequences are what they are. You get what you bought. Are you in here? My wife always used to tease me about the boys trying, trying to get me to spare them when they made bad mistakes. Don't, don't bail them out. She said the best lesson is a bought lesson. Y'all didn't know I was the most merciful of the Wilsons, did you? Y'all think Sister Wilson, because she fine, she merciful. No. She the last one going to the jailhouse. I'm telling you right now. They could be bleeding all over the house. I'm panicking. Let's get the ambulance. She like, they're going to be all right. <laughs> well, I'm sorry, baby. I'll get in trouble later for that. As I close my argument today, I want to suggest to you that God, he visited the Philistines, but they wanted nothing to do with him. He gave them the opportunity to see who he was, but they would rather have Dagon instead. When he struck them with a physical sign, Instead of repenting, Sister Tong, they resented his presence. And they tried to push him off on others in the region as long as he would get far from them. And I notice for the record that sometimes even after hardening our hearts toward God and experiencing his wrath, we too can still be quick to reject his power and presence in our lives. But we cannot dismiss the divine encounter that we have all had with the God of heaven and earth. I'm closing for real now, but history shows that the Philistines were not the only ones who did this to Yahweh. The Pharisees did it also. When Jesus came through 40 and two generations as the embodiment of the triune God, the physical image of the invisible God, they too were wrong about his power. They too were wrong about his presence. And they too wanted nothing to do with Jesus while he walked on earth. 
like the Philistines, they had an encounter with the God of heaven and earth. But they rejected him instead of coming to him. I'm closing now when I call the roll. They saw his miracles. They saw his victories. They saw his evidence. But still they wanted nothing to do with Christ. They rejected him. They crucified him. They resented him and tried to run him off. But God was going to use all of their rejection to glorify his son on earth. And God was today going to be glorified in spite of their resentfulness. God was going to be glorified even in their misunderstanding. God was going to be glorified and prove to them that he was still God. I need to tell somebody just because you reject him don't mean he ain't God. Just because you decide to do your own thing don't mean he still ain't God. Mm-hmm. I'm glad today that God was going to make sure they knew he was Yahweh. Yeah, his victory out on the cross. His evidence that though they tried to kill him, he was still God. Come go with me to the city outside Jerusalem. And there you'll see the Lamb of God being mistreated. Just like the Ark of the Covenant. I heard the the Philistines embodied by the Pharisees spit on him and call him names. They said crucify him, crucify him, but he still was the living God. Out on the cross, they drove nails in his hands. Out on the cross, they put up thorns in his brow. Out on the cross, they drove a spear in his side. And though they persecuted him, he was still God. Though they persecuted him, he was still glorified. And I'm glad right there that though you today persecute my God, he's still glorified. He died because his glory was on display. He died because he was still the almighty. In his death, he descended into another man's tomb, took the sting out of the grave and victory over death and didn't he rise early Sunday morning? Didn't he rise? I'm glad today he's glorified even though they reject him. I'm through preaching here, but I was watching CNN the other day on the news and they showed this little woman who happened to be a county clerk who was signing marriage certificates and the world got hostile because she told two men, my God, don't recognize your wedding so I can't in my faith give you a certificate you can take my job and take me to jail but my God who I serve said marriage is between a man and a woman and a woman and a man are you in here now she was willing to suffer some persecution and as I was watching the news when I saw her persecution I didn't thank CNN I didn't thank the woman but I gave God all the glory I gave God all the glory I got encouraged
courage. I said, now if this little woman could stand and be a soldier for God, all six foot three, 270 pounds of A.D. Wilson, I'm going to stand and give God the glory. I don't care how you feel about him, but I, I'm going to serve him with every breath I have. I don't care what CNN say. I don't care what Fox News say. I've got to give the good news report. I'm a good news reporter working for Yahweh, the God of heaven and earth. Is there anybody here that's down with the Lord? Is there anybody here that's on the Lord's side? I want to help you here. If you are scared Christian, you can leave now. But if you're down with Jesus, then hang with the rest of us. Because trouble's going to come our way. Hi! I'm closing now. But I'm so glad the Lord lifted me. I'm so glad he died for me. And because he died for me, it's the least I can do to die for him. Now, I'm going to ask you again. Is there anybody here that's on the Lord's side? Is there anybody here that's on the Lord's side? Come on, if you're on the Lord's side, shake somebody's hand and tell them, for God I live. And for God I die, I'm on the Lord's side. Say yeah. yeah. Say yeah. yeah. Say yeah. yeah. Good God Almighty, I'm on the battlefield. Are you in here? Y'all remember that old song? Grandmama then used to sing. Then come on, help me. I am on the battlefield. Yes, I'm on for my Lord. And I promise him that I, I would serve him till I die. And I'm on for my Lord. They had a verse that went like this. He said, I left my home and kindred. Bound for the promised land. I had the grace of God upon me and the Bible in my hand. And in distant land I tried, crying, sinner, come to God. Cause I'm on. Church, I'm on. 